Hey Wanderers, and welcome back to Outlaws Wanted. Last time, the crew decided to plant a bomb on Ivana's ship as an insurance policy to protect themselves from betrayal. With Camilla's help, they hatched a new plan to keep Ivana from becoming the next military dictator of the Interstellar Council. We are picking up this time with Sully and Jyla on board a, you know, tramway car rattling across the ship back towards the hangar bay where um, you are going to be prepping a ship full of explosives. Is there any conversation that you want to have on your way there? Oh, actually, yeah. Can we? Are, are we having it on our way there or are we having it while we're prepping the ship? Because I have a funny thing to lead us into it. Uh, you can have it on the way there for right now, unless that's particularly egregious to you. No, that's fine. Uh, so, since... You tend to name all of your bombs. Are we going to re-christen christen this ship, or are you just going to use whatever name it had before? Ooh, you know, I think this is a special occasion that deserves a special name. Mm. <laughs> uh, I got nothing. What do you got? Thomas. Thomas. The tank engine. <laughs> I'm somehow more disappointed in you than I have been any time you've said spagic. Cannon. It's cannon. <laughs> well, since since you suggested so nicely, we'll we'll go with that one. Uh Thomas. I've never named a weapon, let alone a weapon for blowing up before Jyla. Uh, yeah, first time's never the best time, but you get better as you go. <laughs> uh <laughs> There's layers to that that I don't I want to delve into in our family-friendly podcast. <laughs> so, I, uh, not that I dislike it, I quite like it, but you seem seem a little different since you came back from the, uh, from the brink, I guess. What's, what changed? Murder and then being trapped in your own mind for three or four months kind of messes with you a little bit. Not to mention I awoke to everything on fire and everyone dead and my girlfriend probably being killed. I, oh, may, maybe misunderstood. I just thought you seemed more confident and self-possessed. Oh, well, I've... Do you, do you have something you need to like talk about? That, that's fine. We got time. I mean, we really don't, but I had a come to space Jesus moment. Spice Jesus. Jesus, if you will. <laughs> Must be a keeper thing. Um, and he, in this, I had to reconcile what it means to be harmony with myself. So and you're... that chaos will is unyielding in every fashion. We've tried negotiating. We've tried playing fair. We've tried being nice, and that doesn't work. So now is the time where we play hardball, and... Get rid of chaos. All right. Take no grits. I got it. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's a good look on you. Thank you. know, you. standing, standing against everything. I think, uh, I think you're, you're up for the challenge. And, uh, I don't think chaos knows what's going to hit him. I don't think so either. And it's going to be Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> the tram kind of flickers and rattles as it scurries its way across the ship. Eventually, you are dropped out into the hangar bay um, that you first arrived on. You can see 
the still somewhat damaged honor part there, as well as the very damaged other ship that um, had the map on it originally. Just like it's, you know, another outlaw ship that's now, you know, up for grabs. I imagine this is now Thomas the Tank Engine ship. Also kind of milling around, you can see uh, people with, uh, explosive resistant crates and a few, uh, people in greasy jumpsuits that are clearly there to kind of assist you get the ship running. And also, if you need any bombs, they're kind of there to assist you. So now it's kind of on you, Jyla, what you want to do to this ship. This is like Christmas morning for Jyla. <laughs> people with boxes of explosives. Ready to do her beck and call. This is exciting for her. Jyla and Sully had very different Christmas mornings. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think uh, it's going to be a matter of hooking up ordnance to, like, natural power sources on the ship. Like, she's not trying to move everything around. And I think she wants to have, like, a... A sort of, like, domino approach that will, like, ripple through the ship in, like, different, um, with different power sources in case, like, something were to not go off. And I think she wants to kind of diversify her types of explosions. So, like, something that's going to be more electrical, something that's going to be more flame, just to maximize types of damage in the facility. I, I like this idea of your magnum opus bomb here. It's kind of fun. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's funny how many times that Jyla's like, this is my magnum opus, and then like, the next arc she makes a bigger one. A bigger, and like, bigger well, no, opus. actually this one. I'm just waiting until we like, hook a bomb to all of chaos, and it burns him out everywhere. Can we do that? <laughs> Anyway, so that's that's it's what I'm doing. kind of what you're trying to do right now, in a sense, just to one, you know... One node. Aspect. We're also not using explosives, we're using... What do you mean? Like, like, what I'm trying to do with... I'm trying to burn out chaos with harmony, not with explosives. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I get you. Which is a little bit different in Jyla's mind, I think. <laughs> okay, so what I want you to do is a um, roll plus sharp, probably... Do you, when you make bombs, is that usually sharp or cool? Because you have, like, an ability that is make bombs. That That's usually cool. Okay. Can I be helping her? If you tell me how you're helping, yes. Well, I have, like, a science background, so can I be, like, directing power to where she needs it and handling more of the, the less bomb side and the more of the technical side of the ship? Sure. So you're, like, setting up the automa automa automatic detonation while Jyla's mixing chemicals mm -hmm. to make a rainbow... Just kaleidoscope of bombs, you know? It's the Jyla special. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming that's smarts for me as well. Well, it's cool for me. Probably smarts for you. You know what? One of my favorite things I ever heard, like, a guy talking on a podcast about GMing was, I don't know the rules. It's your responsibility to know the rules if you're a player. I don't keep track of that stuff. I know how to play my monsters. Everything else, you guys got to know that, because I don't have the answers. <laughs> and I'm like, you're the best GM ever. I love you. <laughs> I do want to bring up, though, that uh, support someone, the DM tells us what we should roll. So. Yeah, the, the rules The rules say support a friend, qu uh, bracket, any. 
the GM will tell you what the what to roll. Roll plus nothing. I hate you now. <laughs> yeah, roll, 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 roll sharp. Yeah. Okay, that's a uh, ten. All right, you're very successful. You have one camaraderie you can spend now, and one camaraderie you can spend later. This is kind of your happy place, you know. Yeah. You guys are working together. You're getting to watch Jyla in her happy place making bombs. It's all good stuff. We're working in tandem. <laughs> uh, so I have a, an ability called Mad Chemist that's specifically for making AOE bombs, mm-hmm. but it's very clearly written for interpersonal combat because it says the AOE does a damage of two. <laughs> <laughs> you blow up an entire building, level it to the ground. Two damage to everyone inside. So, like, can I apply that somehow, or just like, no, don't worry about it? Well, why don't you roll, and then we'll see if this is a a moot point, because you can already add quite a bit. Okay. A make or break sort of thing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's fine, I'm at a 13. As if Braided by a genius, this bomb has been sewn into the very fibers of the ship. Its circuitry is now nothing but explosives. Like, you know what I mean? It's not just that there are bombs on it. The wires are explosive. The The walls are explosive. Everything is explosive. <laughs> but okay, so you have a very explodable ship. Now, the other thing you need to decide is delivery, right? So this is going to be on board Ivana's ship, and I don't think a lot of people... It does not have a teleporter on it. does not have a transporter. That's not a, that's a thing that your ship has. So what you got to decide is how you are going to fly it and crash it into a place to explode, right? How you're going to make this thing into a big missile. Now, you can decide how you want that to look, but there might be a role there depending on what you want it to be. Because unless it sticks Salvador in it with a parachute, you're going to have to, like, make... You're going to have to retrofit some kind of remote control for the ship. Okay. Um, if Sully and I go on it, can Sully just take us into the cognitive realm? Your body will still oh, be our bodies there, would yeah. still be there. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. We're not going to do that. Yes. He could. <laughs> it will not go well. Um, well, Sully's unkillable, so he'll make it happen. That's like... It's horrifying. <laughs> Swan song for Jyla. Yeah, I mean, like, the the option is Salvador parachuting out or me parachuting out. Or we they... set up a autopilot to direct it, is what he was saying. Okay. But we have to make a roll for that. Yeah, I also did say that option. <laughs> I do like that Caitlin, though, is just like, so Salvador's gotta die. I got it. Got it. I understood what you meant. No, I was like, either Salvador does it or I am parachuting out. Now, the thing is, Salvador would totally do it because he's a daredevil and this is like... His thing. If you asked him to do this, this would be like throwing a gauntlet in his face and he would not be able to say no. (laughs) I like the idea that we're just like, everyone is peeking with this ship. It's it's Jyla's best moment. It's Salvador's best moment. Um... Yeah, we could we could make an autopilot thing. <laughs> well, you can try to make an autopilot. <laughs> now this is gonna be this is gonna be smarts. Yeah. Oh hey, that's also a thirteen. Why do we even have camaraderie? <laughs> so basically, you have a like standard controller you use to detonate bombs. You know, so it's like flip switches that work from wherever. And basically, what you figure out is 
you can kind of replace buttons with those flip switches, and it's like, this is clearly not meant to fly a ship, but it's like, well, in a pinch, I can, like, enter in a number and hit the turn on engines button, and it'll just, like, full speed into that thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not doing fancy maneuvering. Yeah. It's just This will point. not be a, a maneuverable ship, but right. you know what? It can, you can make it into a missile. Yeah. That, that's in Jyla's, like, wheelhouse. Gotcha. All right, so you have a very explodable ship. Kicking back over to Vika and Mal. Vika and Mal, you're still in the lounge with um, Ivana. She's just kind of chilling at a desk. And you kind of have, for the most part, free range of the ship at this point. Yes. Is she done yelling at Camilla then? Oh, no, we no. okay, sorry. I kind of said that you guys were leaving at the last, at the end of the episode. So you, you like, just walked out the door as Camilla and Ivana are. You can just still hear shouting from the inside of her office, just, like, muffled Camilla and Ivana immediately yelling at each other. Um, so, Vi was gonna go and work on the, um, EMP. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, not being a technical person in real life, would I have to be working on the actual ship to do that, or is there a way I could, like, create it, uh, in the safety of our ship and transfer that? So... um, I would say it depends on the type of EMP, like because theoretically we could build something and install it that would be an EMP, or maybe we could find a way to hack their own systems to be their own EMP. Are we doing an EMP, or or do we or do we want to just melt their guns? Oh, that's right. We talked about both. At the time, I said that it EMP was guaranteed. Weapons were a maybe. So. The answer is kind of yes to either. It's kind of in your mind how you want this to work. If you want it to be like you try to figure out a computer virus that just shorts all their electronics at once on all their major systems, and you can kind of like hobble the ship that way, you can go that route. The other route you can go is to like make a physical device on the honor and then try to like hide it somewhere on their ship that it can be detonated. And then yet a third thing is you can go and try to, like, mess with their guns so that you can have, like, a, you know, a programmable thing that would, like, cause them to stop cycling coolant and melt. So it kind of depends which of those you want to do. Either way, there's going to be an element of secrecy here that you're going to have to roll for. Yeah, I assume so. Um, I think uh, it makes the most sense to go back to our ship and, under the guise of fixing it, also be working on creating um, a physical device that we can place on the ship at some point. Cool. That sounds good. And plus, if they actually, like, if everything actually works out, then I feel like there's a pretty easy way to be like, hey, pick up that thing and just, like, get rid of it. <laughs> All right. Really, I guess you weren't there, but you could have been on the... I assumed you were going to go someplace in the ship and, like, Right, a computer virus. So that's, sorry, that was Cody's bad GM brain thinking that you were going to do something else. Why, you would not have just taken the same tram <laughs> with Sully and Jyla. But anyways, you're on a tram. Anything you want to discuss as you're making your way back to your ship? Sully and Jyla had to have room to make out. <laughs> Obviously. Right. Yeah, we took a different a different car in the tram. <laughs> Uh, I, I can't think of anything specific. Um, Vi would probably be on her little tablet thing. Okay. Trying to figure out how to make this work. 
So you get back to the honor um, and walk on board. So what in your mind does this device look like? And how big is it? I guess is yet another good question. It beeps in a way that's obvious to the audience, but the stormtroopers don't notice. I would say that she's probably trying to make it as small as possible, but I don't know how small that would be for, like, a big ship. Um, Okay. As a player, I imagine it probably being big enough that you would have to hold it with, like, two hands. Gotcha. Um, So it's not like you can just... It's not like... I I, I reference uh, Pokeballs a lot, but, like, for, like, the stuff that she makes... But it, like it's definitely not that size. It's not like hideable. I think it would probably have so to like be... the size of a slow cooker. Yeah, yeah, it'd have to be pretty big, I think, to take out enough of the power in this city-sized ship. How many buffalo wings would fit inside of this? Slow cooker? <laughs> <laughs> the weight of a slow cooker with the buffalo wings in it. I just love the references that we end up with. They make me very happy. My favorite still is. Cartography is an expansive science. <laughs> that should go on our that should go on our t-shirt right there. Cartography is an expansive science. I, I, I wanna make that t-shirt. I've thought about like doing that or do it like when Kaylin left one day, putting that like painting that above our bed. <laughs> so what what role do you usually make when you're crafting something? Usually I use sharp and we debate whether or not I had to use my drill because I have like yeah. Uh, abilities with uh, fixing or creating things. Okay. So roll plus sharp, and let's see how you do. Can I? Can I be helping her? Like as long as you tell me how. Yeah, I just like be grabbing tools as she calls for them, and just kind of being being the <laughs> being the little little assistant, grab just grabbing whatever she needs at the time. Sure. What would I roll with that? Would that be sharp for me as well? Uh, I feel like that would be sharp as well. Yeah. That is a nine. You have one camaraderie. I have to use it on this one, or we bank it? Up to you. Okay, well, it's a 13, so we bank it. We bank it. That's good. You guys have some camaraderie going into your next conflict. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so you said you got a 13? Yes. Okay, so you make a very nondescript object. The thing is, an EMP is a rather complicated technological device, and it looks really, really dangerous. Like, this looks bad. And you're like, shoot, this is going to be... Re- I can't just stuff this under my shirt and walk around the ship. It's going to be very obvious that this is, like, not okay for me to be carting around. So what you do, though, is you kind of remember, oh, hey, I have, like, growable ship parts that I can just make. So you just make, like, a really nondescript box and mold it around the very bomb-looking bomb <laughs> that you're going to be installing. And it just has, like, a few ports that you have to plug in. So now the next challenge is figuring out where you need to plant this. So it kind of has to be someplace central and important. That is the challenge. So what I want you to do is make me an investigation check about the ship to see where you're going to drop this off. Okay, and I'm going to use my class ability uh, plus one to know something about a ship. That is perfect. That's a nine. Uh, Okay, so with a nine, there's a few options that you have. One of them is basically, like, the helm of the ship, so the bridge, you know? A lot of, like, main control signals all focus right there, and disabling that would basically mean that the ship would be unflyable in the way that it usually is. So some of the systems, excuse me, might still be functional, but they would not be able to be 
used. It would be like everything would go into steady state. Like, whatever the fail-safe state of the ship is, it would just all snap back to that, right? Mm -hmm. You could put it in the engine room. That would, like, catastrophically potentially damage the ship, right? So it's like, okay, things are... The the engine, whatever's making it not fall apart and explode, that would all stop, right? So this would be, like, death blow to the ship. And a third option would be to plant it on, like, the main control system for all of the weapons. This would make the ship basically defenseless if it went off. Um, It would provide a similar thing to, like, melting the barrels of all the guns shut, so the ship would probably still be able to move around, but it would no longer be able to fire at anything very easily. Now, you can do a secondary thing if you want to try to do, like, the barrel melting on the guns, because that was kind of a second option that you guys talked about. You'll just be incurring more risk the more times you sabotage this ship. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I imagine it probably took a little bit of time to make the EMP. I don't know exactly how much time we have before Avis, but... Nebulous. Yeah, so Nebulous, there's at some point, some time where we all meet up and are able to talk about this. Sure. Personally, I'm between the weapons or the helm. You guys can talk about it in character if you want. We can, we can assume well, that everyone is there. Or we can just make there. the decision so we can move on to the rest of the story. No, I just want you guys to talk forever. I know you do, but we did two episodes of that. <laughs> So I say, if you're not planning on doing another roll for the weapons, I say do the weapons. That'd be my vote as well for the weapons. I agree. Because being defenseless, they can still run away. If they can't run away, they're kind of a sitting duck if something does happen. Yeah. I also think it'll probably be more, it'll probably be easier to talk uh, away into the weapons versus the helm. Also, if we're trying to use this so we don't get bombarded. Making them not move away from the planet is not really helpful. Making them not shoot the planet is. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go for weapons. Okay. That is one tram right away. You are sitting on a tram. Well, I guess who's who's accompanying um, Vika in this uh, sabotage mission? I guess it'd probably probably be Mal. Okay. So you have a tram ride with an EMP as you kind of clatter your way down towards the weapons, like, Mm. It's basically a separate bridge for just the weapons, but it's also, like, the power. This is basically, like, its own almost entirely discrete section of the ship. So that way they have some level of redundancy. So, like, if they lose their engine, they can still be shooting. That's done so, you know, this system can be kind of more isolated and redundant. Once you get there, you very quickly realize this is a very well... hmm? Question. Yeah. Have we been given uniforms yet? Because we were going to be enlisted in the Galactic Alliance Navy for when we get to planet. Have we, do we have our uniforms? Um, I'm going to say if you want to go that route, yes, you can have been given uniforms at this point. Because I did kind of say that that would happen. I think that would be good because then we don't obviously stand out. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good idea. Okay, so you're in, you're in Interstellar Council uniforms carrying a nondescript crate as you walk onto, like, this area of the ship. It's a lot of really boring and tightly packed hallways and tons of people milling around. There's entire, like, command offices. You can see, like, each bank of weapons has their own, like, firing bridge with crews of people manning those. Tons of maintenance running around. It's a lot more industrial down here and less pretty. So this is all clearly just utilitarian, like, 
exposed conduit so you can see, like, if something breaks, you'd be able to see it immediately, you know? It's a lot more um, practical, so in some ways, Vi, this would be a lot more of a comfortable place for you. Mm-hmm. So, how do you kind of want to move through and store this in a place that seems legit? I think it's just act like you know where you're going. Um, okay. I don't know how much my know every know something about a ship uh, applies here nebulously, but uh, I th- I think it, you know she can probably figure out. Where like there, there's got to be like I don't know an offshoot or or something that's more specifically maintenance oriented. Sure. Um, that they just keep walking until they see that, go off to the side, you know, act like Matt the radar technician and just pretend that they're doing stuff. Sure. Roll both of you. Roll plus cool. It's a nine. Seven. Okay, so you have a choice to make. Either question. For the group, I guess. Isn't that worth spending a camaraderie to get mine to a 10? It might make it a little different choice. How many do we have? We have three. Three. The problem is my mixed success is probably already going to bring this into a hard choice. So Yeah, and I, I worry we're going to be in stickier situations Yeah. Okay. in the future. And this is our backup plan. That's where I'm at. Uh, I, I guess I was just afraid that if our backup plan is found out, that may throw a wrench in all of our plans. <laughs> but we, we can just go with it as it is. All right. So as you're making your way around, you're walking very confidently, but you suddenly kind of start to realize something. It's going to take you a while to find a place to stow this thing. So your hard choice here is, do you want someone, do you want to find the place where it's like, oh, okay, we can wire it into like these five wires here? And it's going to be fine, but doing that takes a while and it's kind of out in the open. Or do you want it to be that you kind of start to look a little bit lost? So either you're going to get caught walking around like you don't know what you're doing, or you're going to get caught with wires in your hand, wiring in a mystery object into a mystery conduit, and you get to kind of pick which of those you want to have happen. Oh, I'd rather deal with the looking lost. Okay. So as you're... Um, Walking around, you kind of realize you've gotten turned around that usually a ship like this would be like a home for you, Vi, but it just, there's too many people running around, it's too loud, too much commotion, and you just kind of get turned around at one point, you start to kind of walk back and forth and do that kind of, you know what I mean, where you like awkwardly are walking down the hallway and you suddenly just turn around and walk the opposite direction, Mm -hmm. and you can tell people just looked at you like, you just stopped in the middle of nothing and turned around. And as soon as you do this, you can see it immediately catches someone's eye and they walk up to you. Um, excuse me, why are there two custodial recruits on my firing bridge? I'm just curious why there are two custodial recruits on my firing bridge. Because your uniforms do not look appropriate for the area that you are in. So I want to know what you're doing here. Who's your who's your commanding officer? Because I need to take down their name. And we're going to need to have a conversation about when it's appropriate for you to be on my firing bridge. Hang on real quick. I thought the uniforms we were getting were, uh, were mechanical. No. You got whatever Ivana gave you, and they're appropriate for the ship, but they are not just, like, the perfect uniform for what you're doing. Okay, no, no. She no, gave that's, you that's, custodial that's, uniforms as kind of a middle finger. That's, no, that's totally fine. Just haven't edited the, the episode. I thought it was... We had talked mechanical. That's fine. I don't care. Consistency. Oh. Um, 
question for Cody. Um, so she was setting us up with fake names, fake recruitment. Did we also have like the right information for a supervisor? That would be down to a roll if you can make that up or remember it offhand really quickly. I'm, I would, I guess, I would, I would assume that we would have some kind of like identification that would have that information. You would. Yeah. I mean, you have a fake identification. Yeah. Now she asked some specific questions there. My point is your, your lie is going to be as strong as your dice roll here. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry that we uh, are, are in your way here. We, we were told to, to install this uh, down here. Uh, our supervisor is, I give a name. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. I don't know. Cause we don't have a name. Um, I'm, I didn't know we'd be intruding. Custodial Lieutenant Brump. Yeah. Oh, that guy was destined to be custodial. <laughs> the name, like, Brump. <laughs> he was never going to be anything other than custodial, poor guy. It's like being named Mr. Trash Man. <laughs> so, uh, I think this is cool. I actually don't remember. I should just say roll grease some wheels, which is charm, actually. That is a seven. And what exactly is it that you're installing? It's a new air filter monitor. Um, they just sent it in from uh, corporate. I don't. From corporate. Sorry. I'm new here and they sent me down here to just install it. I apologize. I'm still learning my way around the ship. But something about air quality being a lot worse down here where there's weapons All right. should be pretty easy to set up. Roll grease some wheels. It's a seven. Okay. Uh, that, that is fine. All right, I guess. Just, look, make it quick, and please get out of here. Like, things are precarious right now. I'm hearing weird stuff from on top. I think our watcher is gone. Ivana is probably trying to climb a made-up ladder that she has in her own head, so we're probably going to be needed, so just get whatever thing this is installed and get out of my hair quickly. Please. Yeah, not a problem. Just got a little turned around there. Sorry, sir, ma'am. Yeah, that, that's my question. Is this person like higher rank than us? I would assume. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I, I would say uh, yeah, 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 yes, sir. Well, well, get out of here quickly. All right, you finish up installing this thing and um, can kind of hastily make your way out of here. And like a little thing pops up on the bottom of your screen that says, "This will be remembered." Yeah, <laughs> Lieutenant Brump will remember this. <laughs> yeah, Brump. <laughs> I, I know that's not the person's name we talked to, but that's the name I can remember. No, but you got Brump fired. <laughs> oh, no. Sequel campaign, Brump seeks revenge. There's a whole <laughs> subplot here where Brump's just doing his best in custodial, and then he has some, like, higher-up bust into his office screaming at him about why he sent two custodial people to install an air filter on the firing bridge five minutes before they're about to be in a firefight. I like the idea that it's Brump just chasing Sully across the galaxy trying to kill him and he shoots him and then like two months later he sees like Sully walking around he's like what the hell? I've shot him like four times! No, I think he wants to kill Jyla. Or not Jyla, he wants to kill Vika and Malcolm. They got him fired. Okay, so now you're just hurtling your way towards Avis. Um, is there anything you particularly want to do before you arrive? Uh, get Sully and Salvador. Lucy and Salvador? Lucy. Gotcha. 
I forgot about them being unconscious. Um, there's there's a lot of loose ends we're tying up here. All right, you go to uh, Med Bay and you see laying in two beds, uh, Salvador and Lucy. They are still unconscious. Can I look at their vitals and stuff and see if I like as a doctor notice anything wrong? Um, they're basically in a coma. Okay, so I they're in they're in the fictitious kind of coma that means that nothing is wrong other than they're sleeping for a long time. You know the kind of comas that are in movies where it's like they're just sleeping for forever until then they wake up and they've like forgotten the last year and that's like the plot point of the movie and they don't have like something horrible causing them to be in a coma. They're just somehow in a coma and stable. As I'm sure is really common, not actually at all in real life. It's that. Okay, that's, that, that's what I was wondering. Um, so I'll, like, pull up, a, or I'll sit in a chair near them, and then drop into the cognitive realm. Um, okay. So, you pull up a chair nearby. You get into your, like, standard meditative trance, or stance, rather, and slip easily into the cognitive realm. It's almost beginning to feel more like your home than, uh, you know, the corporeal world. That doesn't make me feel good. When you do, normally you would see... You ever get too weird in your own head with stuff? Anyways, <laughs> normally normally when you're in the cognitive realm now, you can see, like, the gold specters of people in the real world or in the corporeal world. This time, for Salvador and Lucy, you don't see that same shimmering gold outline. Instead, you see something kind of muddy-looking. It, it looks like, um, almost like a sickly green kind of smudge where Salvador and Lucy should be. You know, one of them significantly bigger than the other. Um, what do you do? Can I try to heal them? With base magic? You can roll your healing check. And it's plus weird? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always plus weird. I don't know why I'm asking. That'll be a seven. Which one are you doing first? I'd probably go to Lucy, because Lucy's my friend. Okay, you said you rolled... And Salvador and me haven't interacted, like, ever. That's true. That's true. Uh, so you said you rolled a seven? Yes. Okay, when you go over and touch this shade that you guess is Lucy, as it is much larger... You feel very ill, and then you feel your mind slip again, this time to something else. So you've been in the cognitive realm before, and that transition now feels very easy, slipping in and out of the cognitive realm. This feels like anxiety just kind of made manifest as you touch this shade. It feels far different than the chaos creatures you fought and tried to, like, purify before. And you feel yourself slip and fall into it. And the imagery that forms up around you is just a, like, knee-deep black lake in all directions. And you see struggling near to you um, a figure that looks similar to Lucy but without any power armor and far shorter. The uh, So you are standing up to your knees in like a viscous black liquid. However, 
Lucy seems to be barely keeping himself afloat and is thrashing around in this. What do you do? Can I walk over to him and pull him up? You walk over to him and grab his hand and start trying to drag him up, both because of how frantic Lucy is struggling and also because of uh, just it's difficult and he's heavy. This is very difficult to do. Roll plus weird. I'm going to use a camaraderie, I think, because I don't want to put What did you roll? I rolled a nine, but I think getting a oh, success... Oh, see what... Uh, getting a full success and getting Lucy awake, I think, will be worth it to spend a camaraderie, because... Okay. Ain't up to me. I don't want to shoot myself so much in a foot trying to wake Salvador and Lucy up that it's inhibiting us later. Gotcha. So, I'll use a camaraderie and get a ten. Uh, Alright, so... You grab onto Lucy's hand, and you can feel yourself starting to sink into this water. It starts to crawl up your calf, and you can feel not only the water crushing in on you, but also the anxiety that is just inherent with this place growing in your own mind as well. You give an almighty yank before you're drug underwater with um, Lucy, and you are both pulled back to the cognitive realm. Lucy is panting and shaking. He looks terrified and as if he has been drowning or almost drowning for a long time. The other immediate thing that you notice about Lucy is that he is fully two feet shorter than you've ever seen him before and the width of a normal person. He looks like fit but not overly muscled and his like head and neck proportions seem deflated. Thank you, Sullivan. I, uh... I appreciate that you took the time to come in for me. I feel that things were going poorly for me. Uh, yeah, we've, we're a little tied up, so I apologize to not coming to you sooner. I thought you were just a little physically wounded, not struggling spiritually, so to speak. That's quite all right. I would say that struggling spiritually is what I was made for. But that's all right, too, because I thought that you were likely not going to wake back up. So, I appreciate that you woke up for me. I've always got your back, Lucy. That's much appreciated. Now, my next question, this nothingness is decidedly better than almost drowning, but how do we leave? Well, we'll handle that in a second, but I think first we should try to wake up Salvador. Ah, yes, he is likely facing the same fate as... Me. And by we, I think it's more of my responsibility, since I have a little bit more control here than you. That's an eight. Oh, I mean, that's okay. This, this is I, I just don't want, like, I don't want to, like, to, like, die. <laughs> but, you know, going into the final boss fight, what does Zach do? Drinks all five Estes flasks. All right, I'm ready. All right. There's, again, this shift, as you feel yourself pulled somewhere that's not exactly the cognitive realm. When you snap to... This time, instead of seeing, instead of seeing a world covered by you know knee deep water, instead you can see just kind of a faint fog enveloping you. You hear shouting and screaming, and as you look around, you can see kind of like the hazy image of Hector running back and forth, completely lost in the fog. His name isn't Hector, I don't think. Gosh, dang it, Salvador! I'm so sorry. You can see the. <laughs> it's Hector. I stabbed him real good. <laughs> You can see the ghastly image of Hector running through the fog, occasionally bouncing. Can, can, can you take I did that it one again! 
Ah, you can see the ghastly image of Salvador running through the fog, occasionally running into trees and stumps that have grown up. He is constantly tripping and falling, trying to get back up and run and stumbling again. Um, can I try to, like, make a light? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. Harmony light. That'll be a nine. Okay, so you make a light, and when you do... It's immediate that the fog burns away, right? And you can almost see that, like, the there was, like, a thick growth of what kind of seemed like the, you know, trunks of trees, but it was never clearly formed around you as it was mostly obscured by this fog. Those also fade away. And you're kind of left in this bubble of light with you and Salvador. He turns and sees you and kind of, like, with crazed, panicked eyes, he just sprints directly towards you, and he full-body tackles you back into the cognitive realm, and you kind of, like, hit the ground hard as he rolls off of you, kind of stands ready to fight again, and then you can kind of see him shake himself for a minute and realize what's happening. He sees something that looks like Lucy, just with a lot less armor on, and then looks at you and just goes, are you... Sal- Sullivan? Sully? Yes, I am back. I would say in the flesh, but we're kind of not in the flesh altogether. But I am also back there, so... Well, apologies for the tackle. I was not trying to hurt you. It's just I kind of assumed you or whatever was keeping me prisoner. And the first time you have a clear objective to run towards after you've been running in a forest for what feels like weeks and weeks and weeks... You end up running towards it, so apologies for that. Do not worry, I understand that your predicament was not a good one, and I'm sorry it took us so long to get to you. We did, as I told Lucius here, we did not realize your situation was so dire, and a lot has happened in the past 48 hours. I would say for you a lot has happened in the past month, but, or three However long it has been, I have completely lost track of time, but... I completely agree with that assessment, and I'm still catching up, but I have a beard now, so that's pretty cool. I mean, that is. uh, Hi, I'm... Well, we've met. We've met, like, once. Yeah, (laughs) it's been a bit. I fly ships now for the, uh, for the outlaws, and occasionally Karch, you know... Jyla around to very dangerous missions. So, anyways, hi, that's me. Well, glad to fully meet you. I am kind of the embodiment of a god who's fighting the other god who possessed you for a very long time. And we're gonna go fight back a little bit, and I start catching up on the, them up all on the plan. Lucy looks placid and just says, Of course, whatever you need, I'm always... Available for assistance. That was not Lucy's voice at all. It's close. I'm it's balancing the, a lot of voices. It's the calmer version of Lucy's voice. It's not It's not as bombastic. Okay. It, it felt weird because it felt kind of how he talks to me in chaos. Let me, uh, let me take that again. I am, of course, always at your disposal. Just let me know if you need weapons. I can always fly ships, and I'm anxious to stop whatever thing made me lose 
hundreds of years of time. So just let me know. Yeah, and we'll we'll t- like uh, we'll obviously take them with us. Yeah. But uh, Lucy, you you t- typically are a pacifist when you're on our ship, and if you want to go back to that rule, you are always more than welcome to be our chef. But if you feel that you will better serve us as a walking tank of a man who will kill everything on sight, I'm not going to say no. But I want to let you know, for the first time since I've been back, I want to let you know you have a choice. That is... You may have been made to kill, but you can choose to be a chef. I believe I am a chef at heart, but desperate times and I'm more than capable. All right, so... Would it be better to leave them in the cognitive realm for now and then teleport them to our ship and then wake them up? Uh, I mean, it, you they can walk, you know. Okay. All right. Um, do you guys have anything else you'd like us like to let m- talk about? We're in a pretty safe spot where you can say anything without being overheard by Chaos or Ivana or any of the Interstellar Council before we head off. They're good. All right. Let's go spit in Chaos's eye. Uh, okay. You have now awakened, uh, Salvador, I nearly said Hector again. You have now awakened Salvador and Lucy again. Back on your crew. If, if you want, this is now, like, a we can skip a, skip time to your arriving above Avis if you would like. Is there anything else we want to do? I'm feeling pretty, oh, do we want to bandage each other at all? Um... I mean, it might not hurt to try one more time on uh, Sully and Jyla, potentially. So, you all make your way back to the honor to use your well-worn, um, you know, uh, what's it called? Medbay? Medbay, jeez. Alright, who's bandaging who? This always goes terribly for me. (laughs) I mean, do you want someone else to roll the medicine check other than your doctor? No, you could do it for me. I just, I never heal people when I want to. You don't want to play doctor, Jyla? Not, not here. Hey, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say, it's a fetish I don't understand. I don't, I, 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 I understand that doctors are good people. Don't take this next thing as my, <laughs> like, objective feelings towards doctors, but I hate doctors a lot. I find <laughs> them very uncomfortable to be around. And the idea of sexually playing doctor is like the most alien thing I can imagine. Most anxiety-inducing fetish you can imagine. When is it ever good to be in it with a doctor? It's always bad. It's always bad. <laughs> this is smarts, right? Yes. That's a nine. Okay, so you take a band. You you take a bandage. You heal one wound. For who? The Jyla. Uh, yeah. Right. That's how this works. Did you subtract one from that roll? It's an eight, eight. Then I think I think you gave me a wound. An eight. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I did. I did. It's because I hate you. You should drop our camaraderie down one as well, Cody. I think you got it back to equal. No, no, you're just kidding. I I took two off sitting over here trying to get free healing. (laughs) Now, if you found some more chicken nuggets. You want me to roll for you, uh, Sully? Works for me. All right. Uh, That's an eight. So that's one One bandage, one. one healed. Up to y'all. You can you can do this until you run out of bandage. <laughs> do, do you want to do it yet? I, I don't think we might as well, right? Oh, yeah, if we're reset. Yeah, yeah go I mean, for it. We're about to go into the biggest battle we've had. We might as well try to use up as many bandages as we can. Uh, no, Jyla, you're not getting healed anymore. <laughs> okay. I rolled a seven minus two. Okay. Yep. Oh, no, wait, no, wait, no, no, wait, sorry. No, it's a seven because I get plus two minus two. Oh, okay. So you heal one more. Yay. So. 
and then she'll have three bandage. And then I'll I'll guess I'll try on Vika. Vika gets an eleven. That's an eight for Sully. Okay. And then I'll try on Malcolm as well because why not? Malcolm gets a ten. I'm sorry, Charlie. <laughs> Does our love count for nothing? We've played doctor too many times. I don't know how to actually be a medical doctor with you anymore. <laughs> Does anyone else want... I I guess I, I could try on Vika and Malcolm, but at a certain point, it just feels like gaming to game. Do you want me to go one more time? Uh, see, I, I'm I'm zeroed out on a two bandaged, and I have a plus two. Sure, I'll try on Vika as well. Okay. Okay, I'll try one more on Zelly. See if I can... Nope, I got a six... Sorry, Vi. That's okay. I got a nine on Sully. Was that an? Is that with a minus two? That's with a plus two, minus two. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So at this point, I'd be taking negative, trying to roll for yeah. you. So. And then I'll roll on Malcolm. Just we'll all be a three bandage. Malcolm gets a nine with the plus two, minus two. Okay. Gosh, Jyla, you really got hit by a bus and have not gotten much better. <laughs> I, I did. I did. Yeah, I needed that ten on Jyla, where it healed two. Right. At least I didn't flub any with you. I flubbed one with Vika, so. All right. So you have uh, arrive at Avis and are put into an orbit around the planet on board Ivana's ship. You're currently on the honor, and she just kind of walks into the officer's lounge that, you know, that's, I imagine, where you guys would hang out most of your time. All right. Well, I have four people here and she kind of thumbs back to her and four like nearly identical looking just kind of like they're they're like out of a magazine stock looking infantry soldiers <laughs> right just like assault blasters standard uniform non they're all wearing like visor down helmets you know what i mean and they do not speak <laughs> i've got four of my most trustworthy people here to assist you in whatever you need so they'll be with you and i also have a ship that they can fly you down to the surface of the planet with or take the gravity elevator down and you know you're all just on shore leave so once you're on the surface of the planet it's kind of up to you thank you ivana i realize that we may not all see idi on everything but i appreciate you getting us here i feel like i see eye to eye with you i just don't see eye to eye with that dirty caterpillar but we can move past it. Anyway, gotta go by. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how Sully is this character that people find abrasive until they meet people they actually hate and they're like, okay, Sully's fine. <laughs> <laughs> As you're leaving the ship, you hear her communicator beep. She flips it open and the holographic image of Camilla pops open and immediately shouting starts again. Like, flips open, yells, and the door of, like, the lounge closes as you just hear screaming. They're totally going to fall in love, right? We all agree that out of character that they're falling. They're enemies to lovers trope. <laughs> Look, I'm not writing this fan fiction. I've, I've done enough, you know? Listeners, write this fan fiction. You're led to a nondescript-looking Interstellar Council ship. This is what is, like, made in mass as, like, the junkie transport, right? Um, you're all ferried on board. One of the um, nearly cloned-looking soldiers takes the helm backs, like, the ship out of the hangar bay and flies to the gravity elevator and you are all just kind of slowly settling down into the planet as you're, like, lowered gently through the atmosphere rather than slung through it like a missile. 
on your way down, you're just kind of sitting in jump chairs looking at these, like, three other very stern-looking soldiers. You're all in uniform, but with you is also Salvador, who kind of looks a little bit reckless. He's definitely got, like, the leather duster. The roguish look Blasters on the hip, yeah. And then there's Lucy taking up two seats back in his full combat armor with, like, a gigantic blaster sitting between his legs and a sword and shield on his back. Anything y'all want to do before you hit the surface of the planet? I don't think so. Is Sully able to start figuring out which direction we're going towards for the hub? Uh, Sully can try, yeah. Sully, roll plus weird. That'll be a 13. So... Sinking into this planet, prior to this would have felt like coming home, but now it feels like you're getting sunk into that same lake of anxiety that you saw Lucy drowning in. As the ship lowers closer and closer to the surface of Avis, what normally would have been like clear blue skies forming around you as you finally get through the atmosphere, instead is like a smog-choked haze. The surface of Avis could not be more different. Any green life that was once present in the city has been burned off. The closer you get to the surface, you can see ships flying in like low atmosphere rapidly through the city. You can see like dogfights breaking out at times, so ships are actually shooting at each other above the city. And so for all of you looking out the window, this is an unsettling sight, right? This kind of feels like you're dropping into a not a full-scale war zone, but also not not that. It's just general unrest everywhere. But for you, Sully, you feel like you're sinking into a dark lake. And the more you perceive that, you can tell that there is a deepest point, right? There is like the Mariana Trench of chaos on um, Avis. And it's not the Capitol buildings, it's not like the military complex, it's the south pole of the planet, which is habitated, like the whole city, the whole world is basically a city, but the poles are both very cold, as I think is typical with most planets. Um, so they're just less habitated, and especially the south pole, so this is the most remote part of Avis, as much as that can be, is where you detect kind of the heaviest presence of chaos. As you sink to the surface of the planet, you start hearing thunks as rocks are being thrown at your ship. You can see, like, paint cans being thrown at you, and by the time you actually land on the surface, it's just like hail, as there are people just standing outside hucking stuff at your ship. You can hear screams and shouts. Um, you, like, slowly pull your way into a hangar bay, and you can actually hear, like, thunking as there's, like, a crowd of people surrounding your ship just, like, kicking at it with their feet. And, yeah, you are landed on Avis. So Sully turns to the Interstellar Council soldiers on the ship and just turns to us, well, let's go save our home. We hope you enjoyed this latest episode of Outlaws Wanted. Music for this show is from danosongs.com, 
audionautics.com, zapsplat.com, and in the public domain. If you like this show, you can check out more of our actual play podcasts at the Wandering Gamer Network's website or on Podbean. You can also interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We also post Let's Play videos under our YouTube channel, the Wandering Gamer Network, and on Twitch we can be found at wandering underscore gamers. Now remember, it's not the outlaws that make trouble, it's trouble that makes the outlaws. (laughs) 